Hello and welcome to Talking Triple Crown, part of the Kickout 299 Network. I'm Jessie, whose pronouns are she, her. I'm Alicia, my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Rachel, my pronouns are they, them. Well, February sure was something. Big title matches, the Tokyo Dome, and even an explosion match. We're going to cover it all, so let's get into it. Day one was on the 4th at S Forta Arena. There were 1,398 people in attendance, which is a really good number for All Japan. I was really happy with that. First up, we have Shotaro Shino and Ricky Honda defeat Hikaru Sato and Dan Tamara in 7 minutes and 48 seconds. I thought this was such a fun opener. It was a good way to kick the month off. I will admit I did freak out a bit when Dan came out with his hair, like in a different um way than it usually is I thought it looked really great and combined with his um, beard that he's growing back I just really love the new look I think Dan needs a new look for a fresh start and this could um, kick off something for him just like it did with Hayato yeah I agree with you I think that Dan really is like he does need like a total refresh it's actually funny that like it's taken this long just to even get him to like change his hair and grow his beard back out <laughs> but yeah he's he's in need of like a whole costume refresh and everything that would be really cool but I agree with you this was like a fun little opener to remind you that Gunier of Anarchy is back Ashino is back so yeah totally into it yeah this rocked I thought it was really really awesome all four men just have astounding chemistry um actually in the last episode Alicia you mentioned the hostility um and sort of the unresolved tension between Ashino and Sato and that was mm-hmm. really palpable in this one so I was just really excited to sit down it was such a such an opener like I just I heard I heard fuel and my my blood got pumping and that's exactly what we needed so thought it was good Rising Haito, Takao Amore, Odi Shiba, and Maso Inoue defeated Black Manso Rei, Sushi, Ricky Fuji, and Raijin Iguchi in 9 minutes and 40 seconds. You guys are probably going to be like, hate me for this, but I wanted to start a campaign to boycott uh, Masao World since that man annoyed me so much last month, but I just <laughs> couldn't. He just makes me laugh so much. Just his face is just so funny. I just can't. <laughs> I just really can't. Um, this was just a big old All Japan eight-man tag mess. That's not to say it was bad. It was pretty fun, but it was just such a mess. And so I got the win, which is a plus. One thing coming from this match that I would like to see, which didn't happen for the rest of the month, and we'll get into that, is I thought Shiba and Hayato worked really well together, and i like to see them tag more. I think they could be a pretty good junior team, um, but... We'll talk about what happens at the end of the month with these two. But, yeah, I really like them teaming together. Masao is definitely a man of of many faces. What I desperately wish, I was watching a lot of um, older Noah somewhat recently. People like uh, Kensuke Sasaki used to, like, do this thing where they would, like, grab him by the nose and, like, torment him like that. And I think more people should do that to Masao in a way. I think we should bring that back. But, yeah, this was good. I do like Oji and uh, Hayato working together. I think that works really well. This is definitely like a bunch of silliness that we've come to expect from like, what is the term that Lou uses for the undercard? 
the cinematic universe. Yeah, the cinematic universe <laughs> of AJPW's undercard. This is absolutely a part of it. Um, so yeah, it's it's fine for for what it is. But I thought that Hayato and Oji Shiba did really really well. Yeah, that was also in my notes. Was I so my notes are like this long um, debate on who uh, Rising Hayato's partner should be because sometimes it's Oji Shiba, sometimes it's Ryo, Ryo Inoue. Um, sometimes it's actually Kotaro Suzuki, which is going to be very interesting later on. Um, but, but yeah, I um, I had this whole debate with myself in my notes because I was like, oh, Oji Shiba actually works really well with Hayato here, but I still really like him working with this. So, um, but yeah, I agree that that would have been really, really cool to see them as a tag team. So eh, maybe we still will. We don't know. <laughs> Next up, Hokuto Amare and Naruki Doi defeated Ryu Inoue and Naoya Namara in 8 minutes and 17 seconds. Inoue looked like a bloody star in this match. His kicks were so beautiful and the end sequence he had with Doi was just amazing. There's no doubt that having Doi as his opponent made everything look perfect, but this was just so good. I said it last month and I'll say it this month because the opportunities these rookies get have been tremendous, like who they can face in like such a young um, Korea is just amazing. I think I like Anzai, but we will always look at Anzai, who is getting this massive singles match. And um, not the same with Inoue, but please don't skip these tag matches because Inoue will blow you away with just his moves every single time. I'm with you. I mean, I, I think I was saying that a lot towards the end of last year, too, because Anzai won uh, Rookie of the Year through Tospo. And I kept saying, like, you know, Anzai is fantastic of course he he really is you know future ace material but Ryu anyway should not be slept on he is a huge part of why this match was so excellent and I mean Doi is just so damn good Doi and anyway in this are are just fantastic but I also thought that Naoya and Hokuto like I really think they can be something I want to keep revisiting them um as we push forward from this too but for a you know a quick eight minute match this was pretty excellent I, I really enjoyed it when the um, match graphic for this match popped up, I audibly gasped because I was very excited and it just, it did not let me down. It lived up to every expectation. It was short. It was great. Doi is just really, really fun um, to watch and in a way just looked like the perfect baby face. So I have nothing really to add. It's just, it was a great match. Next up, we have the Tornado Bunkhouse Current Blast Desk Match for the All Asia Tag Team Titles. Asushi Onida and Yoshitatsu defeated Nosawa and Kendo Kashin in 9 minutes and 13 seconds. <laughs> I absolutely love the spectacle and story of this match. Tatsu saying there's no place for these matches in all Japan than showing up as deathmatch Tatsu. Nosawa saying that he can't find Kashin up to the lead up in this match and just everything Onida did, just everything about Onida. He's great. It did turn into a Nosawa versus Onida match like very fairly quickly. Tatsu really looked like he was out of it. He did get like a trash can to the head like straight away after the bell rang. This match was under 10 minutes. It was the weird side of all Japan that we all love. It was just a lot of fun. The fans in attendance really sounded like they were enjoying this match. <laughs> I thought they loved it. There were just two things I didn't like. Um, it should, this, the first one is a me problem. I'm just not a fan of repetitive headshots. And there was a lot of that in this match. And the second is just I wish they would stop hot potato in the all-age tag team titles and, like, get them back into, like, the proper mid-card. They could have used the six-man titles. I know they're coming back now, but, like, 
just use titles that don't matter. <laughs> like, don't use all Asia tag team titles because they they do matter and they could matter to, like, a team out there. I'm hoping that as we move away from sort of spectacles and one-offs like this that was so clearly, like, built around just Nozawa having that, like, last hurrah with Atsushi Onita, I, I hope that we can start to move away um from using the all asia tags for this i agree with you jesse i think you've been talking about this for a really long time on this show too we need to start using the all asia tag titles as a way to develop up-and-coming talent um just in a way that i think that we might start to see the gaora um hopefully used um so yeah i, I think that that is very important to keep in mind but for what this was i unironically loved it i thought it was really great um they somehow like managed to deliver on this um and i think everyone's expectations were actually fairly low um especially because onita like he wasn't doing that well in terms of like his uh, his health recently he hurt his knee last year um but he seems to be doing a lot better but like these guys um all things considered like really put on like some some special sort of match like i, I just think that like for um like with onita like you had like all of like this sentimentality of this and like um, a lot of the nostalgia right because this really is like all of the beats from like the things that he's done in the past that he's so well known for but you also have that like sentimentality between like him and Nozawa you had those like great moments at the end after like um, the final bits played off where like they were kind of like hanging on each other and we see scenes of that like later on in the month right when we get to like the dome and stuff like that with Nozawa taking his last bow and that's really what this is all about which is giving Nozawa that like final send off in this arena so um yeah i was super into this super fun match definitely something to watch it's interesting that you um connect it to the dome match as well because you're 100 percent right there's that same sort of note of just pure very pure emotion and very sweet emotion at that end it was really good and the match itself was really fun it was really funny and and charming exciting um i really liked it i want to shout out the um kendo kashi and super fans that were out there uh, during his entrance. They were <laughs> incredible. Um, yeah, it just goes to show that everybody has a super fan. Everybody is somebody's guy, so. Next up, Suji Ishikawa, Yuji Nagata, and Yuma Anzai defeated Suama, Jun Saito, and Rei Saito in 13 minutes and 47 seconds. I don't really have too many notes on this, but I think Suji is the Saito's best opponent. I think they just work really well together, these three. Anzai was Anzai and he looked great. Um, now, if you've seen the Simpsons episode, Lisa Substitute, and how he gives Lisa a note that says, you are Lisa Simpson, someone seems, needs to do that for Suwama that says, you are Kohei Suwama, and he does not need to be bossed around by someone who just has one suit or looks like he just has one suit in Taru. Someone needs to do that, and I think it should be Dan. Oh, I agree with you. See, I have my own fantasy booking for how we get Kohei Suwama back. I want it to be like the exorcism of Suama Kohei. And then I want it to go into like evolution court. I want to borrow from WWE's tribal court. I want to do evolution court with, with Sato and Dan. And I really want to make it like an entire spectacle. But I like that too. I think we can combine ideas, Jesse. Um, so yeah, I thought this was super, super solid. 
Shuji does um, his best work, I think, with some of the younger guys. And I thought that was really um, showcased here with his exchanges with the Saito brothers in particular. Like, I thought they did so, so well with him. Um, and Anzai's baby face and danger shtick works so effectively. And you see him do that throughout the month. Um, it's just a great thing for him. The crowd really gets behind him, too, um, in those moments. So, yeah, I thought this was a really solid match, all things considered. Yeah, I agree. I liked um, Nagata's faces at the end, um, sort of. It, it was just, it was good. It was um, it was very surprisingly low drama, all things considered, for Voodoo Murders. And yeah, it was, it was a pretty, um, it was a pretty solid match. And Yuma, to me, was definitely, Yuma Anzai was definitely the star. Do you have fantasy booking? How we get back to Oswama, Rachel? <laughs> Oh, no, I, I've actually known about Evolution Court for a little while now, and I've been uh, all about that. I definitely expected Dan to come in with the rice ball again, but mm. a note would be pretty good, too. It could be like a note, like the rice balls wrapped in a note, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think I think Evolution Court is the way to go. Um, and I think, what was it? You, uh, Yumao Yagi's the judge. Was that right? Yes, because he can yeah. play with the hammer. Yeah, because he would play with the gavel, have a really good time. So it's all it's all there. It's it's in our cinematic universe, actually. Um, but yeah, I think that's the that's the ideal fantasy booking. We have to do talking triple crown about evolution court because I want to know more. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. <laughs> Next, we have the junior heavyweight title. Askyo Yagi defeated Kotaro Suzuki in twelve minutes and four seconds. I thought this match was just fantastic. I loved it so much. I was a bit worried since they had no preview matches and outsiders have been a little bit clunky with all Japan juniors, but this was just amazing. There was none of that. We know from last month that Kotaro is Aski's favorite wrestler. So this was just so cool just for him to get this moment. And I felt like before the match, you could see him kind of trying to hide a smile that didn't really work that well. As I said, this match was just so good. I love the spot where Katara did a handspring into the ropes and hit Aski with a back elbow. And immediately after, Aski did the handspring into the ropes and hit him with a leg lariat like anything this old man can do, like I can do better. The knee falls were just crazy and I really bought into some of them. I thought this is where Aski's reign ends. The crowd loved their knee falls as well. I think we're just all going crazy at this moment. And the moment after the match was really sweet with Kataro wrapping the belt around Aski's waist and Aski watching him walk to the back and the crowd chanting Kataro's name was just really, really sweet. Aski gave an in-ring promo and Naruki Doi came out and attacked Aski and would challenge for the belt next. I love this. I know last time when it was um, me, Jesse, and Lou, we talked extensively about Aski being very young and needing time to develop as a wrestler, which makes a lot of sense given that he is so young and he's in his first really prolific reign um, as world junior champion. I feel like this match was sort of spectacular because like we were predicting, it was the exact right person for him to work with. And it really felt like, and I know I think Lou echoed the sea sentiments as well in his own review, it really felt like Kotaro had worked with him um, going into this match. You could really feel that between the two of them. Um, and that's where it made such a difference. This was so different from the last couple of Otsuki defenses, I think, um, which was awesome. 
Um, and like I said, like I just, a, or what I'm trying to illustrate is like just a massive step up um, from a, those last two defenses. But this was to me all palpable drama. Um, you really felt like Kotaro could win at points, which you must mentioned too, Jesse. Um, there were some near falls in this where it was like, wow, like, are they going to flip the title onto Kotaro? That would be amazing. Um, but they didn't, you know, but they, that's what we were, I think, missing from the last two defenses was that palpable drama and like wondering like what was going to happen next. And Kotaro was so good at really keeping that pace. And that's what Oski, I think, needs to learn. Um, yeah. So it just, it felt like Kotaro, uh, really showed Oski how to be the wrestler he wants to become in this, which I think is stellar. And they had a great match for it. And, um, like you were saying, Jesse, like those moments of him after the match, just watching Kotaro um, walk to the back, you could see like just, I think, some of his like amazement at like what he had just gotten to do with his childhood hero, which randomly became the theme of the month, right? For February. <laughs> so um, that's awesome. Those are like moments that are so special to wrestling. So I just love this. Yeah, I think you guys hit everything that I wanted to say. I, I wrote down the near falls because they were absolutely insane. Um, I really like how you phrased it, Alicia, with um, Kotaro sort of being the wrestler that Otsuki wants to be and and showing him how to get there. You could really see, like, a lot of those roll-ups and counters, um, sort of, you got this feeling that Kotaro just had a cleverness and in this experience in the ring that uh, Otsuki just doubts, or just does not have right now. Um, and I thought that was really, really cool to see. I always like that sort of style in the match where um, experience wins and and that doesn't happen in this match, but it really looked like it could have. So um, that was just a really, really good way to do it. Um, yeah, it was, it was good. In the end, the little superhero's own, uh, just one over his own hero. And that was just a really, really beautiful moment. I did really like uh, Doi's like challenge I thought it was really fun I thought it was really dastardly he looked like a villain uh to the superhero uh Alicia you didn't like it as much do you remember why I said I didn't like it you said it felt too WWE did I yeah the beginning of February feels like it might as well have been two years ago oh yeah yeah that's that is very true I'm like I'm sure that like I it's not in my notes I, I remember us having a conversation about it I guess my fear with that stuff right now, and we'll get into this as we get into the, the, the developments around the faction scene, so to speak, in all Japan and the changing scene that we have going on right now. I think my concern is that you have these two outsider heel groups within all Japan right now. If Doi starts doing a lot of that, then what's the difference between him and being in voodoo murders? Mm. And I think that was my core concern. I don't remember saying it looks like WWE, but maybe I meant that in the moment. That's kind of funny. I do remember you saying it was too similar to voodoo murders. And I could not argue that because you are a hundred percent right. But I, I did really like that moment. That's valid. I, it's, but yeah. yeah, thank you for reminding me that um, I was apparently bitching after the match, but um I never forget no. yeah so no I just that's my concern I I will share more of my thoughts on the shifting changes um happening with the the faction scene as we get through the month for sure but uh that's where some of my concerns lie I think yeah but uh let's talk about the main event because wow <laughs> yes uh we had Kento Mihara defeat Yuma Aoyagi in 28 minutes and 10 seconds to retain the triple crown championship I absolutely love this match. I feel like Yuma is taking the Jake route, kind of, 
with beating Kento and taking baby steps until it finally happens. Like Yuma kicked out of the shutdown suplex, which he has never done before. And I, the fans' face, Kento's face, Inoue's face, and also you can see like uh, the timekeeper like get up, like, is it done? Like, did he get the three count? And when it happens, watch us fall back because I watched it about five times um, when it happened. Kento falling for Yuma's play dead spot should not happen anymore. Yuma's done this before to Kento. Kento's seen him do it before. It's Kento's fault now if he gets caught in it, but he should not fall for it anymore. <laughs> Yuma with the Rockstar Buster followed by the Fool had me because he never gets the pin with one. He always has to do it twice. And even though the rock, Rockstar Buster and the Fool is the same move, it's just a little twist with the Fool, he didn't get the win, which, oh, I was literally on the edge of my seat when that happened. Um, but please change up the Fool to be like a super finisher now because it's just so frustrating that it's so like the Rockstar Buster. It doesn't make any sense. Um, <laughs> the problem with this one is that we all thought Kento was definitely going to win, and the reason for that was the Tokyo Dome match coming up. Um, we're laughing at that now. But I just think Yuma did so good in, like, stepping up to Kento, taking the next step, and you have to think, like, next time they face, Yuma will win. Like, it's his time to win. After the match, Nagata came out to challenge. Uh, we all expected that. He said he will challenge whoever wins out of these two. That match is on the next show, and Nagata talked for a very long time. So this felt like such a natural continuation of what we saw with uh, Kento and Takuya versus Nomuyagi. Um, so that's great. I think they hit all the beats that they needed to, plus some in this match. And I believe I said in the last episode that we are really seeing like the evolution of Kento and Yuma and what they can do together. And I, I firmly believe that. I think that this was incredibly well-balanced work between them throughout. It was really, really excellent work, actually. Just a really well-balanced wrestling match. And obviously the big moment was Yuma kicking out of the shutdown suplex for the first time. And that's exactly where this match needed to go because Jesse, as you so uh, beautifully brought up, yeah, like this, the the way that you win against Kento for these next room 1.0 guys is it's like a slow battle, right? Each time they come back, they get something else over him until eventually they get to go over Kento. So that's where we've landed here is that Yuma finally got that like one really important thing, which is that kick out from the shutdown suplex, which shows you just how close Yuma actually is to defeating Kento for the triple crown. So that part of it was really really exciting and I don't want to talk about this too much here I feel like this my thoughts for some of this is going to be more applicable to events later on in the month but that's where we've landed right like to me it makes the most sense for Yuma to get his triple crown moment against Kento and I firmly believe that I firmly believe that's where they have led us through their storytelling to that moment based on this match alone but also like the history of their matches together I think that's critically important I don't know anymore if that's where we're going, but I love what this match set us up for. I think that's what they would ideally want based off of this type of stuff and the storytelling they've been doing, but um, I'm just not sure. However, I did love this match. I thought it was great. Um, definitely something to go out of your way to watch. Amen. Uh, yeah, that's, that is exactly how I feel about the story and how it was set up because the real story here wasn't really in who wins and who loses. Like Jesse said, we sort of knew where we were going with that because of that dome match at the time. Um, and yeah, it was just all about if 
Yuma could show Kento something to get him to sort of become that true rival in Kento's eyes. And you can just sort of feel the absence of Jake. Um, not in a bad way. You can you can feel that in both of these men uh, as they sort of establish what their future is going to be in this match. And I really thought that was fantastic. They were both trying to give each other something and show each other something. And then that comes out when uh, Yuma kicks out of that shutdown suplex. And and that's, you know, so that's where we're at. Uh, yeah, I thought the story was just pitch perfect. It hit every single beat. I thought the match was great. Uh, both men were just phenomenal in it. I really, really liked it. And yeah, um, I know you mentioned Nagata challenging and that made sense uh, to me. Like you you got to see him, uh, you know, in that moment and he sort of almost looked teary-eyed when he had uh, when he had won that match and, and felt like, okay, I can challenge for the Triple Crown now. So there was some uh some good emotion there i felt so it made sense to see him challenge it just the timing was so weird so after nagata left yuma got on the mic and basically asked kento to liven up all japan together that's exactly what he asked jake last year but now kento is the man he wants to liven up all japan with so what happens now is that next stream, which was Haito and Kento, will work alongside the main unit, which is Yuma Aoyagi, Aski Aoyagi, Suji Shikawa, Yuma Anza, and Ryu Inoue, who are also part of a new group. Everyone I just mentioned got their chance on the mic before all seven celebrated in the ring with Yuma Aoyagi on Suji's shoulders, which I thought was just a really cute moment. I didn't think Yuma expected that at all. He looked kind of shocked when Suji did that. <laughs> on cage match, they are listed as Zenshi Shin Jedi. I really enjoyed this moment. It really made me smile. It made me realize, like, I, I love this company so much. Um, but my favorite bit is Yuma and Kento finally shook hands. I've been waiting three years for this. And I know people want this moment when Yuma finally wins the belt. But I thought I thought it was perfect here because Kento finally realizes, oh, crap, like, Yuma is, you know, is getting closer to beating me. Um if you're unaware, the first time they had a Triple Crown match, Kento held out his hand. Yuma threw the ice pack in his face. The second Triple Crown match is that Yuma held out his hand and Kento shoved the Triple Crown belt in Yuma's face. So third time's a charm and they finally shook hands. Yeah. <laughs> I have extremely mixed feelings about the timing of the handshake. I was really disappointed. Um, I I don't know. Like We'll see how I feel moving marching on from this story point. I also forgot this happened on this show. That's how long ago this uh, show feels from where we are today on the 1st of March. But I just really wanted that moment to come from Yuma overcoming Kento. I am concerned about... They're not in the next stream right now, right? Yuma and those guys. They're, they're still in their own group alongside what Kento is doing in next stream. But is there a difference, especially because these guys went right into a fan like in a fan meet and greet, like maybe a couple days later. And like, there's really no difference. Like it's all just like a bigger next stream at this point. So that's always my concern is that like, uh, I just want there to be a little bit more separation between those two. So that when the moment that Yuma takes the belt from him, it really has an impact. And I still think that it will, but I just wasn't expecting the handshake to come here, but also this sudden, like, you know, we're going to form a, a massive army really concerned me. And this is where I knew Nagata was going to win <laughs> because like, there was just no way. Cause like, why are we forming a super army 
Um, if like you're not going to have multiple outsider champions and like technically three outsider groups um, in all Japan, because you have Nagata and what he's doing with Evolution, and like tech, you know Evolution is an all Japan group, but Nagata is still going to be the outsider Triple Crown champion if that's what he ended up doing. That's what he did. Um, we were looking at you know a Doi challenge that we were all fairly confident Doi was going to take. That's another outsider champion. And then you've always got Voodoo Murders who are outsider heels. So that's, you know, it makes sense that they have now formed this sort of super group. Um, but the timing of this just made it very obvious to me that there was going to be a problem in Kento being able to keep that belt going into the dome, which is what I think most of us had as an agenda for the month of February was just getting Kento into the dome as Triple Crown Champion, which, you know, we've talked about extensively on um, a kickout episode where we review um, Muto's final show as well, too. But um, yeah, so I had I had issues with this. I was just a little bit disappointed with the timing of the handshake. I do feel like the story is still intact because those two can as quickly as they come together, they can always come apart. So there's always that um in Kento and Yuma's story. Um, but yeah, as soon as they turned around and formed this like super army out of nowhere, it became that much more obvious to me that Nagata was going over and Doi is going over because now they've got to protect themselves from three outsider forces on the um roster. Speaking of, more or less, that wasn't the only, like, big handshake that we saw during that scene. So what did you guys think of uh, Atsuki and Hayato reuniting? Didn't like that either. No? No, I still don't like it. Like, <laughs> the like the whole thing. And, like, now they take photos with each other. Like, we went from, like, them kind of having this, like, interesting, like, cool rivalry forming. And it's still there. You can still, like, be friends with your rival, right? But... I just wanted there to be more separation there. And now they're back to like being super cute and like taking their little cute photos of each other with like Hayato in his bucket hat and like Atsuki doing like a peace sign. And it's like, no, we were supposed to have more separation here so that you guys could like look cool. And like now every now it's just like a continuation of, of Next Stream again. And I'm a massive Next Stream fan, but I didn't expect this. I didn't really want that from either of them. But I, I did find interesting though about that moment of the handshake between Hayato and um Atsuki is that Hayato holds that handshake when Atsuki tries to pull away and he keeps eye contact when I was like okay so there will be tension between you two that's very good that's a good story and then immediately like three days later they're posting cute photos together so I feel like with them you know whatever we're not ready for that kind of storytelling yet, which is fine. But that's what I was expecting out of that because Hayato did such a good job with that moment of like, really, I think showing Oski like, yeah, like we're going to work together, but I'm still going to like be coming for you and your position in the junior division. And they can still do that. But I feel like it's a little bit of a misstep to be like taking like really cutesy photos together again. And then you had like that big fan event that they all did together. Like, I think the only person who didn't go was Shuji. Um, so they all did that fan event and like, that was super cool. I wish that we could do fan events like that with them, but it's like, now they're all just working together and now it kind of feels like next stream. And that's not what I wanted. I had different ideas. I don't know. That was a long rant to say that I didn't like a handshake, but there you go. Jesse, how did you feel about Hotsky and I so getting back together? No, I do agree with um, Alicia. Like, I think they need more separation. I think because I was just so swept up in the moment that I really liked it. Like all these, like these little favorites all coming out and like, you know, getting their chance on the mic and stuff and celebrating. But, um, you know, to really think about it, it's like, these guys already tag teams together. And if they don't tag team now, they had a tag team before. Like, 
um, Kento Numa and Aski and Haito. The only real outsider here is Suji, who doesn't really tag team with these, these guys. Um, the handshake was nice. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I didn't expect it, so I was kind of happy with it. But still, it's just like I'd rather these two be rivals a bit more before they uh, team in again because it's like they broke up their team like less than a year ago. And now they're teaming again. Like we'll get into that more later on in the episode. But it's just like maybe too soon for this to happen. I actually, I'm aligned with you guys. Um, I'm sort of playing devil's advocate there. But no, I agree. And I really, really, really liked Hayato's like tension there. I thought it was really cool. And I thought it could lead to something. And it's not, if it's leading to something, they're not holding up that end on Twitter. So it's, there's um, a little bit of a disconnect there. Yeah. Um, I am glad that it sort of gives Anzai and in a way more or less something to do. Um, it gives them a unit at the very least. So I, th- I thought that was cool. It gave them mic time, uh, like Jesse mentioned, and that's always good. And um, I thought, I, I thought in a way did a really good job on Mike. Actually, Alicia, didn't you mention that he had some Kentoisms in him? Anzai or anyway? In a way. Oh yeah, anyway, yeah. Anyway, when he spoke, and like granted, it's been again 107 years since I watched that show, but um when I watched it, he felt he sounded like Kento to me. Um, and I'm not surprised because Kento spends a lot of time with those guys in the dojo. I really like that. So there I I'm sort of in the middle. I liked parts of this moment, but I did agree that we didn't really need um a big super unit it was is very similar and very comparable to the um hantai chaos uh alliance in new japan that sort of detoured chaos into a weird state so um it's just just reminded me of that and it was yeah it it, it was what it was and we'll see where it goes from here but um it had some good moments at least in that that little feel good feel good moment so now we move on to day two which was on the 19th at Corican hall we had a slightly larger audience today, 1,405 people in attendance. And to kick off, we had Rising Hayato, Ria Inoue, and Kotoro Suzuki defeat Oji Shiba, Dan Tamara, and Hikaru Sato in 5 minutes and 36 seconds. This was a really quick opener, but still pretty good. Um, I said in my day one review that Shiba and Hayato would make a good team here, but here are they, um, they're fighting against each other. We got some Dan and Inoue action, which I'm always a fan for. I'm, I really love these two together. And Sato went after Suzuki after the match, which all I can say is please give these two a singles. Like, I really want to see this, and that would be great. Yeah, I thought this was also good. It was um, incredibly quick. I did love, like, that stare down between Sato, and I believe it was Kotaro when he, like, first got in the ring, which I, I dug. I could do them fighting for, like, forever, which is, would be great for me, personally. But, yeah, I thought this was fine. Um, There's definitely some fun stuff between Kotaro and Sato and Hayato just continues to charm me so all good for an opener yeah same thing um really really wanted sato and kotaro to get that singles match sooner rather than later it's just really good um and i also noted that kotaro was really really sweet with both in a way and hayato during the match it was just really nice to see that dynamic uh i really enjoyed it and i just wrote about that throughout the month and <laughs> I'm still upset about later later on developments, but that's okay. Upset and excited, but we'll we were happy at this point. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not this upset was at all. I think it's kind yeah, of awesome. we'll have we'll have a conversation <laughs> about it. 
Um, cause I, I was feeling some kind of way cause I really liked it there that he was so sweet and like a mentor and a big brother. And I wanted to see more of Kotaro and Hayato cause I thought that they could, you know, develop a really good mentorship, but yeah, it was, it, I really liked seeing that. And then of course, seeing, um, Kotaro and uh, Sato throughout the match was just amazing. So yeah, I like this match a lot. So next up, we had Yoshitatsu, Masawato, Arisuke Takuchi defeat Shoto Shino, Riki Honda, and Maso Hanabata in 7 minutes and 22 seconds. I thought this was okay. The fans were super excited when Wato tagged in. They, like, the ladies especially, they, they went crazy for him. I thought it was pretty cool to see Wato in All Japan. I know fans kind of make fun of him. And I did watch his um, return back to New Japan, and I was kind of like, really, the Grandmaster? But... I think he's good now. Like when I watched Wrestle Kingdom, I thought he was an MVP in that match. Um, but this was fun. Everyone looked like they were having fun. Um, more Wato, I'm not going to complain about, but like less comedy from New Japan, I'll never complain about. Yeah, I totally get that. I thought Ashino worked rather well with Taguchi, actually. Um, they all their comedy bits like surprisingly like went off super well. But like if you remember, like from Ashino's work, like like prior to all Japan, like Ashino has done quite a bit of comedy stuff and he's like into that. And so it, it really came across here. I liked it quite a bit. I thought that Tatsu, like he steals the tag off of Wato at one point, and like that made me laugh. That was really funny. <laughs> Tatsu popped me, that was pretty good. Um, but like I don't have a ton of like notes about the quality of this match because like it was like a kind of like whatever match, but I haven't seen Master Wato in a long time. Like I have not like laid eyes on him in ages because I'm so selective of what I actually see in New Japan. He looked like a completely different person to me. Like to me, when he came back to New Japan, he looked like a little kid still. He looks like a fully adult person right now, (laughs) like like a real adult right now. Um which is like a realization I have with Kaito from from time to time too. I'm just kind of like, when did you become like a man? Like, it's weird. But that's where I'm at with Wato. I just thought it was like really interesting to like actually look at him and see him wrestle because he just looks like an adult in a way that he hasn't in ages to me. Also, I'm getting there with Dan Tamara as well. Like every so often, I'm like, when did you grow up? Um, so yeah, I, I sort of feel that with Wato. Um, I wrote down that Ashino was having a lot of fun during this match. Uh, so that was really, really fun to watch just exactly like Alicia said. And he's, he's a funny guy. He's a really funny guy. So you could really, uh, see that with Taguchi. Uh, yeah, I don't really, this, this match was fine. Um, I thought that they could have given, uh, Gunier of Anarchy some momentum, but, uh, and, and got them the win, but that's not what happened. Uh, I just, it, that made the most amount of sense to me. Um, but yeah, other than uh, other than a nice little fan service match to get Wado and Taguchi an appearance and, and get the, the fans going because they were very excited, uh, especially for Wado. So that was really cool to see. So next we have Sushi Shikawa, Ren Ayabe, and Oscar Loibe defeat Takao Mori, Toru and Black Menso Ray in 8 minutes and 14 seconds. It's not often that Suji is the shortest one in his team, but here we are. He was, and it was really quite a sight to see. Oscar did send out a tweet saying that, I have the honor of fighting All Japan Pro Wrestling tomorrow. Favorite wrestlers are Bruiser Brody and Stan Hansen. It's special for me to be able to fight in the same ring. I will do my best to show the All Japan fans my fighting spirit. And I thought that was just really cute. His Twitter is actually really cute. Um, I do have to admit, I 
quite like this match and that was all thanks to Black Manso Ray. He bumped like crazy for like the triple towers, I guess we can call them. The bit with the stepladder was funny where he, um, you know, kind of stood on it to face Ayabi and Ayabi just like kicked his head off. When he was getting himself all pumped up to face Ayabi, just a chicken out in the end was just super relatable and I really felt that. <laughs> so Black Manso Ray was a star of this match for me. I completely agree with you. I thought that this match worked so well because of Black Men's Ray <laughs> at points. I thought he was so funny. I thought the stepladder bit was fantastic, honestly. I loved it. Um, yeah, I thought this was super fun. I thought that the crowd, like, getting really behind to Kawamori, too, it was, like, intense. Like, the Kawamori chance was also, like, just a weird omen. Just a sign of things to come on this card, unfortunately. Um, but, yeah, interesting stuff. But I thought that Oscar, uh, what's his, how do you pronounce his last name? Loibe. Loibe, Oscar Loibe. Um, I think actually he would be better suited almost in all Japan um, rather than New Japan. That would be an interesting acquisition for us. So if he's looking for a more permanent place to hang out, um, certainly we would take him. But yeah, so all in all, very good. Black Mensa Ray was a star of this. Yeah, I think afterwards um, I messaged uh, you, Alicia, and was like, Oscar could hang out here a little bit longer. Because I, I really liked, uh, I like this team up, actually. I like the height-based offense. Um, lots of big boots. Uh, I really like that three-man deep impact. That was really cool. Um, yeah, men, men's range just had a lot of fun uh, bumping. I really, um, with the stepladder, I really liked how dramatic his cell was when he fell off of it. It was it was really over the top. And that was really good um, after Ayabe kicked him off. And yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was a fun match, fun little match. And uh, it, it just worked out. I liked seeing Shuji as the, uh, the shortest of the extremely tall squad. Suama, Jun Sato, and Rei Sato defeated Yuto Nakajima, Ryohei Oiwa, and Kosuke Fujita in 9 minutes and 28 seconds. These young lions have done their research, unlike all other All Japan stars, and didn't wait for Voodoo Murders to attack them before they bell because they attacked Voodoo Murders first. I think the young lions were just so fired up today, like every other day they're in All Japan, and they were just so excellent. Nakashima kicking out at one after Suama hit a lariat was definitely the highlight of the match. I think Voodoo Murders were really good here. I really enjoyed this. It was no stupid cheating or interference from Taru, who was at ringside. Just two teams who couldn't stand each other and just wanted to beat each other up. Um, also, I'm just confused. New Japan fans, help me out. Is Fujita still a young lion? Because he is now in a faction and he looks like he's like a proper wrestler in that faction and not a young lion. But it's just very confusing. Also, New Japan, stop sending young lions on excursions to Mexico and the UK and start sending them to all Japan because we love them here. We've said it before. Like, just give us the young lions. And... In a weird event, Unagi Sayaka was at the show. She and Suama have been going back and forth on Twitter. I'm a bit confused what they're arguing about because it's just so chaotic. But she says she was here to assess him. Um, she ran after him after the match when he left to the back, and we will have more on where that leads later in the episode. So to start, Kosei Fujita is, is still a young lion, and he's in TMDK because Zach, like, requested him to be in as like the young lion that's going to help tmdk out um but he's still like as much as he looks like a complete character like he could just go off and like just you know be his own thing um 
the way that those matches work right now is really fascinating because Zach is literally teaching him like almost like how he would teach in a dojo um, in the middle of those matches. If you watch them over at new Japan, um, I've been watching some of those because I really, really like Nakashima, uh, Oiwa and Fujita. So I've been popping in to watch some of their stuff, um, which is interesting. I like it's. I don't know that I've necessarily actively sought out matches from Young Lions before, but with the three of them, I do because they're fantastic. But I've loved that storyline with Fujita and Zach because Zach will literally start teaching him how to wrestle um, or how he should wrestle, you know, better, how he could do spots better in the middle of these like actual matches that they're having. And it works really, really well. It's super effective. If like, you're someone who's been curious, like Jesse, about what they're actually doing with uh, Fujita over in New Japan. But yeah, I have to echo like, like virtually all of Jesse's sentiments. Like this match was just fantastic. And like, I know when like it was announced, everybody was really skeptical and kind of like, why would you send over three such great wrestlers to fight um, voodoo murders in their current form right now? But Suwama and the Saito brothers did a fantastic job. I thought the, the Saito brothers were great in this. Um, and a lot of that was achieved by us having no like interference. Like these guys just wrestled and it looked awesome, which is always great um the young lions just bumped like crazy all over the place and just looked like these little baby faces and then like it just made voodoo murders look like these like great heels in that way because they were just wrestling and it was just really simple um like jesse mentioned like the the whole situation with nakashima and suwama just fantastic like i can't believe they let him kick out at one on suwama like that was crazy it looked so awesome too so yeah i was just really um excited about this match and like Jesse said, like we could have them back um, literally every show. <laughs> so if they want to start sending them to us full time, uh, more or less, that would be great. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. Actually, my notes just um, say Nakashima rules on it because that's how I felt. But no, they all had their shine. Um, I thought everything looked really good. I liked um, Oiwa's exchange with Saito's. I thought those were really cool. Uh, yeah, it was a really fun little match. I'd love to see more of the Young Lions. I thought um, Unagi running after Suwama was really funny. Um, like she just had this sort of huff and air about her uh, that seems to match Suwama's kind of energy in a, in a way. Like you could already feel like, okay, they're, they're going to have a lot of fun together um, in their match that they are cooking up. I tried to follow their online Twitter drama and I couldn't really figure it out. She just sort of, calling him an old man and making fun of the hashtags he uses um which was very charming but yeah I'm, I'm not exactly sure where that came from but hey it's it seems enjoyable so it's pretty cool next up we got some very exciting announcements about the champion carnival and the ajpw versus great show the champion carnival will be in two blocks with 16 men competing in block a we have Cyrus, Jun Saito, T-Hawk, Kento Miyahara, Yuma Oyagi, Yoshitatsu, Riki Honda, and X. And in Block B, we have Naoya Nawara, Rei Saito, Shoto Oshino, Suama, Suji Ishikawa, Hokuto Amore, Yuma Anza, and X. For the All Japan vs. Great Show, in Match 1, we have Takao Amore, Yoshitatsu, Black Manso Rei, Rising Hayato, and Ryu Inoue. Versus Kaz Hayashi, Yu Izuka, Commander, Michiko Miyagi and Kechi Sato. Suama, Jun Saito, and Rei Saito take on Haito Tamara, Kazuma Sakamoto, and Chek Shimatani. Shoshi Oshino and Riki Honda take on Takanori Ito and Isi Onosuka. Asuki Oyagi versus Kato Ishida. We have Nayanamura, Dan Tamara, and Hikaru Sato versus Minoru Tanaka, 
Soma Watanabe, and Sechi Ikimoto. In the main event, we have Suji Ishikawa, Yuma Anzai, Yuma Oyagi, and Kento Miyahara versus a team of Sima, T-Hawk, Al Linderman, and Tetsuka Ishichi. Next up, we have Shingo Takagi, who defeated Yuma Anzai in 10 minutes and 31 seconds. I remember seeing some Japanese fans comment that Anzai wasn't on the card, and, you know, which was a bit worrying and weird because he's on every All Japan card. And we had to wait for Okada versus Shingo to be over for them to announce that match. So it made sense that he wasn't on the card for a very long time. This was good, but I don't think it ever reached great like some of Anzai's um, other matches. It was still very cool to see Shingo back in All Japan. In some ways, it kind of feels like Anzai has started his trial series, but All Japan just forgot to tell us because just the level of talent he's faced has been incredible so far. Yeah, I really liked this. It's, like Jesse was saying, kind of wild to me that he's fighting these people already in singles matches when I don't know what they're going to have for his uh, trial series at this rate. But I really did um, enjoy this. I thought it was a great match for him. I thought that Shingo afterwards... Um, I think he was asking Yuma for another singles match that I thought was really cool. I thought it all worked really well. Yeah, I thought it was really uh, fun. It was it was a nice little match. Um, I agree with you, Jesse, that it almost feels, I mean, actually, we've all said it, uh, that it feels like he's on his trials already and they just haven't told us. And I don't know if we're going to get a real trial series or if this is, but um, regardless, it does feel like his trial series and it is really fun to watch and, and cool to watch him sort of develop and grow uh, through these matches. Uh, the pop at Anzai's surprise German suplex was really, really good. Uh, the crowd did not betray me uh, during this match, which was cool. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a very fun little match. Next up, we had Yuma Oyagi and Naoi Nomura defeat Minoru Suzuki and Hokuto Amore in 11 minutes and 14 seconds. I don't know if this is unpopular, but I thought this was just okay. I think Nomura and Suzuki had some really good moments, but I believe they have a better match in them. Suzuki going after Yuma makes me think something's there, or it might just be Suzuki being Suzuki, really. Yeah, this match was all right. I um, really like Naoya and Suzuki's exchanges. They're good, you know, good match for each other style-wise. So they had some really, really good ones. Um, but yeah, I kind of assumed this would lead to um, Amori and Suzuki pinning a member of Nomiyagi and making a tag challenge. Uh, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, that That's not what happened. And uh, yeah, I mean, obviously that makes more sense throughout the rest of the month. Um, so it's being what we end up getting. But uh, yeah, I, I would like to see a tag title match between these two eventually and sort of see how they um, can elevate things, escalate things and, and make a make a bigger, uh, bolder match, I guess. Yeah, I definitely remember it being like a good match and like fun, but like not nearly as exciting, I think, as perhaps I would have wanted it to be i'd be interested in like rachel uh just said seeing them come back together um especially if we end up getting a title challenge from them but um yeah just just a fine fun match at this point in the junior heavyweight title match naruki doi defeated asuka yagi in 13 minutes and 30 seconds to become the new champion i have kind of conflicting feelings i really thought this match was okay for like two-thirds of it but the last third was pretty good I thought there were some really close near falls in the end when Doi said he had his eyes on the junior title I thought that's it Doi's winning the belt like Asuka's reign's over 
The crowd was firmly behind Usky, though. Um, it was very a pro-Usky crowd. At this point, Usky's last three All Japan matches have been him defending the belt, so really good on him. And I thought his first reign was great for, what, like 22 years old, 23 years old. He did a really, really good job. Rising Hayato was our next to challenge. I was like, oh, no, Hayato, don't come out next. You're going to lose again. Um, Doi accepted and also adds he wants All Japan to hold a junior tag battle of glory, which I'm all for. He got his wish. The junior tag battle of glory will be held side by side with the champion carnival. The first two teams announced a Doi and a mystery partner and also Haito and Aski. Yeah, I thought that this was, you know, pretty good. Not to, I think, even the caliber of the Kotaro match before it, but, you know, it was good. I think that I have no issue with Doi winning and taking the belt off him. I thought this was a great first run for Aski. I think it was a real like good starting rain, a real mission accomplished for what they're trying to do and start with Otsuki. I don't think it's a problem that they're going to have a lot of these guys chasing Doi and the type of heel work that Doi can do. I think it's actually very effective to see that storytelling take place in the junior division. I don't like that they're going to, him and Ots, uh, him and Hayato are going to tag together. That I have an issue with, my God. And I also did not like Hayato being the one to come out and be the first challenge because that's what he essentially did with Atsuki. And that while that was a great match, you know, you knew that Atsuki was going to retain. That's what, you know, it was very obvious that was going to happen. Um, so yeah, that's, that's frustrating for me. I think that, I think that we're likely to see a better match between Hayato and Doi than between Doi and Atsuki. But I just didn't want to see Hayato go up against someone and lose again so soon. I don't know. Maybe they'll like throw a curveball and Hayato winds up going over out of nowhere. I don't know. But I, I don't think that's going to be what happens. Um, so him walking out to challenge next um, doesn't really work for me. I just that, that wasn't what I envisioned for him. I wanted that to come a little bit later. Yeah, I was going to ask how you guys felt about that. But uh, yeah, you you said it really well and uh, definitely answered my question. I, I felt the exact same. I have a uh, res- a friend who doesn't really watch wrestling, but she really likes uh, Rising Hayato. And I um, she had watched this challenge and, um, you know, I, I was sort of complaining, you know, oh, Hayato doesn't really, you know, deserve to be the first defense. And she she was like, no, actually... Hayato's charm is that he tries really hard but doesn't succeed and it was just really funny that someone who doesn't watch wrestling (laughs) sort of told me about that but it did give me a little bit of perspective of like okay you know maybe he's still on his journey and there's still some charm in it so I'm willing to give it that but at the same time it it feels weird you know first defense is is always the first defense and once you kind of get that curse of being the first defense for everything it's sort of it, it doesn't make you look great, um, but I, I'm willing to see where this one goes. I think they're going to have an amazing match. Um, but to bring it back, I thought the match itself was really good. Um, I definitely think that uh, the Kotaro match was better. I, I can't uh, see anyone really feeling differently. It was just, it was, it was good. Uh, the near falls were great. That's pretty much where I was at. Um, it accomplished its goal of making Otsuki look like the junior ace. Um, which he had looked like the ace throughout his run, but this was sort of a nice little seal of approval, uh, wrap it up, tie it up in a little knot and and ship it off. So yeah, that's how I feel uh, about that match. Would you say your favorite defense is the Kotori defense? Mm, it's Hayato. I, it just was a good match. It was, it was a lot of 
good uh, heated rivalry and the beginning of a great rivalry. So that's sort of something that I, I really like to see. What about you, Alicia? What was your favorite uh, Otsuki defense? Kotaro. I know that the more popular choice would be Hayato, but stylistically, Kotaro and Otsuki really is a better balance for me. I'm going to say Kotaro as well. Even though I love um, Asuki and Hayato, like it was one of my favorite matches last year. I think they can and they will put on a better junior match. So now to the main event, which had a lot of people talking. In the Triple Crown match, Yuji Nagata defeated Kento Miyahara in 23 minutes and 6 seconds to become the new champion. So this was a huge talking point on Twitter. Like I said, I kind of split up to my review into three separate sections so I can really get through this. So for the match itself, I only watched bits and pieces of it live. So when I watched it again, I was less angry. I calmed down a bit at the result. And it was actually really, really good, this match. I believe Kento can make anyone look good. And Nagata really stuck with him throughout the whole match. The crowd was super into this and very much split. It was really hard to tell who they were cheering for at any time. Really? I th- I had trouble. <laughs> really? <laughs> Are you, sure? <laughs> do you um do you remember your tweet that you uh you tweeted out because it was the funniest I do. thing I had read? Can you can you recite it? <laughs> I tweeted that I wanted to have the mic after the match was over so I could uh, speak to my enemies, aka Yuji Nagata's fans in Corrigan. Uh, I think um, didn't Lou call them state traitors in his review? <laughs> that was the funniest so. thing I had ever read. No, I they were really into Nagata this match. Sorry, Jesse, go ahead. Uh, I feel like I have hard of hearing now or something. No! <laughs> Kento still had a lot of cheers. So I did message a great stage on Twitter who was actually at the match. And he said, um, there were a lot of real diehard Nagata fans in the room, all with their blue justice gear. So he mm-hmm. definitely had strong support, but just as much support Nagata had, Kento had, because he has, he's really diehard fans. Like they're at every match. You see them on Twitter all the time. They love him. You could hear them at the Dome too. So there is that. Yes. (laughs) With Kento. In the end, I just thought both men looked great. Nagata with his high kick really surprised me. I didn't expect like a 50-something-year-old man to pull that out. Um, He won. It was was a very big moment, I think. Um, Suji came out to challenge after the match. He challenged the same time last year with Kento. So maybe he's the March challenge from now on. For Nagata winning, it's kind of like with Doi. They showed up and seemed to be staying a while. So to get the belt on them um, at some point was inevitable, I guess. I really thought Nagata would be getting the belt. I thought it might be the tag team belt. But him winning the Grand Slam of Triple Crown, GHC, and IWGB Heavyweight, being the only fifth man to do so was a really, I don't know if I want to say sweet, but it was a really big moment and I think you can tell it meant a lot for him and his fans to finally get that because I think a lot of people thought he would never get that seeing as he is in New Japan and he's not an All Japan star. And now to changing the belt two days before the Tokyo Dome, when it happened, I was pissed. I thought All Japan needed the visual of the ace walking down the ramp with the belt, something that they desperately needed to like really boost the company. I was laughing like a maniac thinking, oh, my God, Yuma's was the only one walking to Tokyo Dome with a belt now. Like, who would have thought it's Yuma who's about walking to the Tokyo Dome? Now that 
you know, I've sat with it for a while and Nagata is a champion. I'm I'm less angry with it. It's still weird to see him with a belt, but what am I going to do? Take it off Nagata? Like, I yes. can't do anything. <laughs> Get in there, Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I'm with you. I, I've had a lot of the, like, the anger, like, just sort of, like, the wind taken out of my sails, I guess. But that's because I've been so utterly distracted by the Kensuke Office Diamond Ring drama and how well the dome went in general, which we'll get into in a minute. But specifically about this match, I was walking in late from like a work event and I I didn't even catch the first like couple of minutes of the match. I like threw my laptop open and like hit the website to pull it up as it was really starting to get underway. And then they caught the rest of it from there. And I've never been so scandalized listening to people chant for Yuji Nagata over their ace in Korokin. I was outraged. I thought it was so loud. And I wasn't the only one. So I know I'm not crazy. But like those those Nagata fans were unbelievable um, in how loud they were. And I know there was a ton of frustrated, like hardcore All Japan Kento Miyahara fans mad at the reception that Nagata got in Corrigan that night like this was the most divided I've ever seen um maybe not ever I'm trying to think now over the past couple of years this might have been though I don't know but this was a divided fan base for a few days coming off of this I think the dome sort of nullified a lot of everyone's like anger because of how well the dome went and how much press Kento was getting right now um, but this was a divided fan base in the aftermath, like like camps forming over how people felt about this decision, which is really interesting. This is a very, very um, dedicated fan base to All Japan, a very small fan base, but a dedicated fan base. In watching the match live, like I still think that like Nagata, like he still is, he's still slower. There were some parts of the match that were extremely clunky um, because he reacts slower to things that are happening. And that's, it's just like, I was saying, I think to like, maybe I was saying it probably to Lou, Rachel, like probably a couple people that like, what bothers me about this is that Yuji Nagata, because of the state that he's in at this point in his career, I have to suspend my disbelief to really, really think that Kento Miyahara in 2023 with the shape that he's in and at his full sort of power uh, as a wrestler is not going to defeat this man, right? It's different if he's going up against like Takashi Sugira, who is like the model for like all old men in, in Japanese wrestling, right? I think that's a different story, but it's Nagata who's not in that in that kind of shape. So it's very difficult for me to, to suspend my disbelief enough to be like content with Nagata getting this. I know that like, you know, Jesse, you spoke beautifully to like this being like a dream of his. Is it a dream of his or is it just a, a box to tick off on his way out? the door one day to retirement. I don't know, but that's what sort of frustrates me. This felt inherently a lot more political. I also felt really the same way about Hojima getting the belt off of Shio at, uh, what was it, a cyber fight? Mm-hmm. At cyber fight. I didn't like that decision either. So I think I'm pretty consistent on how I feel about some of these outsider guys winning these belts off of uh, the aces of their companies. <laughs> um, pretty consistent across the board and how I feel about this. But the match itself, for the wrestling, when I was able to, to watch it again the next day, it was a good match. It was a good match. I think Kento, like Jesse was saying, can get a good match out of just about anyone. But I think it speaks to Kento as a wrestler, not necessarily Yuji Nagata's ab- um, ability these days. I think that there are some matches that uh, Nagata shows up and it's you know a pretty good match. But this was 
Kento pulling him through a match to this level. Although there was an exploder that Nagata did to Kento on the outside that looked fucking sick. But this is really a testament to Kento's ability to work with anyone at anyone's ability because Kento was literally slowing down his own pace to match Nagata. And that's not easy to do. And I hope that people recognize just how much of that was from Kento's ability to do that as a wrestler. I think that that's outstanding. So yeah, I'm still... I guess frustrated in some ways because I do think that it wouldn't have hurt Kento to have that ability to walk into the Tokyo Dome with the belt and have that. I don't think it would have affected anything they would have done with the Kensuke office drama the next, you know, the two days later. I don't think it would have affected anything to have him lose to Nagata at a different time. But at the end of the day, like, was Kento still Kento in the Dome? Yeah. So it, it winds up working out. I think Nagata was an inevitability. This match was a lot better than the Royal Road match, which was terrible. So at least we got a much better match than what that Royal Road match turned out to be um, last summer. So yeah, a lot of thoughts, a lot of feelings, as per usual. But I'm in a better place about this today. It is really weird still. I keep forgetting he's the champion because I'm always like, why is Kento like third from the top? What's happening? And it's because Nagata is in the main or something, which I think is really weird still. So it's going to be take some like getting used to, I guess. But yeah, it's just it's just weird that Nagata is the champion. It's not super exciting to me. But my other issue from before with that is I'm very afraid that Yuma will beat him for the Triple Crown, which to me is a miss. I do think it needs to come between Kento and Yuma with Yuma going over him for the belt. But I don't know what we're going to see now. I feel like um, you, me, you, the three of us have talked about this before. I feel like there was maybe some parallels within what they were doing with like Tiger Mask and Atsuki and Atsuki going over him for the junior belt and perhaps um, Yuma going over Nagata for the Triple Crown. So we'll see how it pans out, but that's not the direction I would want them to go in. Yeah, that's, I mean, um, I'm really glad you mentioned uh, the pacing, especially because you had mentioned it to me. So I, um, I tried to watch this match live, but I unfortunately had the flu and I was very, very tired. And I um, drifted off to sleep and woke up to the sound of all the Nagata maniacs cheering. Um, it was just very, very loud. And I immediately went back to sleep. <laughs> so I did not watch this match live. But that did give me the benefit of talking to Alicia. And Alicia pointed out Kento's pacing and how he sort of controls this match. And that made the match really, really compelling. Um, on top of being a fantastic match, like it is a really, really phenomenal match, but um, it was good to have that knowledge. So if you guys have not seen that match or you have seen it, but um, you're listening to us and you want to go revisit it, take a look at um, Kento's masterful work at sort of controlling and pacing and slowing down himself because it, it really is um, a big game changer on how enjoyable this match is. Um, and it's, it's, it was a really, really good match. Yeah, I do think it was pretty clear that Miyahara was uh, wrestling circles around Nagata during the match, which does sort of take me out um, and that suspension of disbelief that Alicia mentioned. But it wasn't too bad. I think now that I look back on it and yeah, it's it's the dome that sort of just gets, gets the anger out. Um, now that I've sort of seen where Kento's character is heading, and um, he has this sort of freedom to do a lot of really interesting things with his character outside of the Triple Crown. It's really cool to see. 
So um, it sort of didn't make me as mad as I thought it would, uh, especially looking back on it now. But I thought I thought they handled it as well as as well as it could as far as the booking goes. But I thought the match itself was great. You reminded me that I want to mention that that was what Kento had said in his tweet the next day is that now that he had lost the Triple Crown, he was going to do whatever he wanted, which is an interesting note for him. This is going to be a year of like a real shift, I think, in Kento's character. And he was being very interesting in the press at the very beginning of the year after he won his award again. He won that distinguished award from Tosbo again. I think that was his third time winning that award and he made some interesting comments in the press and then he said to um he did say in the press about Yuma that he would like to see what Yuma can do without Kento Miyahara and that got like everybody talking and Yuma made some like really terse comments about Kento on Twitter over that comment which is why it's amazing to see them back and working together again because they just had that exchange on Twitter and now you've got Kento musing about how he's going to do whatever he wants and you would think that someone who is the triple crown champion the ace of the company can do whatever he wants in that role but actually when you think about it being the ace and being the champion that's a very restrictive role when you're at the top of a company like that even in the kayfabe of it it's a very restrictive very isolating role and now that he has the belt it's almost like he gets to be sort of let out of that gilded cage right and he gets to choose his own path and perhaps that's what we're seeing um as we get into talking about the dome more in the next moment what he's really talking about and i'll say just to wrap up this comment or these comments rather what they could do to salvage this and not put the belt on yuma by going over nagata put the belt on ashino tie up that storyline and that would be fucking cool because Ashino immediately said that he was not about to join the like super group that had formed. He immediately came out and said, like, we're not joining that. And that's deeply funny. But also, him being the one to take the belt off of Nagata would make sense for him not getting into like the New Japan Dojo all those years ago and just like tie up all that stuff there for them. Um, and that would be sick for a while and then you could still work back towards kento eventually regaining the belt in order to have the program with you that's just a thought what are your thoughts on um suji challenging being the first challenger i like it a lot because suji's always i think in the position now of being like suji's like a very dependable like steward of all japan there's like this shift that just happened. The ace lost the belt. Another guy who's been there for All Japan now, who's like a real part of the core of the company is going to come out and try to get the belt back for All Japan. So I really like that. I think that makes a lot of sense. I'm interested to see how this match works out because I don't know that Shuji is going to be able to pull Nagata through a match quite the same way as Kento can. This will be a huge tell of what Nagata's rain is going to look like because when you pull kento out and his ability to work with people like that and you put different people in all the matches are going to look really different so this will be an interesting tell but i am excited that it's shuji i think it'll be an interesting match yeah i feel the exact same i think um shuji's the perfect storyline opponent and um we will see how the ring work works i mean shuji is a phenomenal worker um and he does work really well with a lot of different people but we don't know how he'll work with Nagata yet but we will see now we take a bit of a detour from old Japan and head to Noah for Keiji Mudo's final last love show at the Tokyo Dome 
Katihiku Nakajima and Manabu Soya defeated Kento Miyahara, Suama, and Yuma Oyagi in 15 minutes and 37 seconds. And just to start this off, I just want to say, everyone who booed Yuma's Muto impression but cheered Nakajima's, like, why? Why are you so mean to Yuma? Like, ugh. <laughs> I literally yelled at, like, why are you booing him? He's doing nothing wrong. But <laughs> to the rest of the match, just to see Kento... Yuma and Suama walked down the dome ramp, just really got me emotional. It was such a great moment for these three men. I was just so happy for them. You could see that this All Japan team was literally the past, the present, and the future. Anzai and Inoue were also ringside, which was a really cool moment for them to be in the dome. This match was great. Like, what can I say that, like, Rachel and Alicia haven't already said on their episode about the Muto final review? Like, it was just fantastic the crowd was loving this and so was I surprisingly we got Kento and Nakajima first I thought we'd have to wait a while for this but no like straight away they started this off I think a lot of people thought they might have gone a bit harder than they did actually go but I thought it was perfect I thought it was fine I mean everyone is saying that they can't stand each other and can't even be in the same room but obviously we know that's not you know the whole truth but they work so well together Suwama and Keno and Soya work so well together and Yuma just being like wherever he needed was um, perfectly fine as well. Thinking back, one person I really want to shout out is Suama. Like he's been with the company for so long. He really had the company like on his back and pulled him through hard times. I'm just so happy he got this opportunity. He has stuck with All Japan for so long. He deserved this so much. I was secretly hoping we would get Blonde Suama just for one night, just like just have the Blonde back to for him to represent All Japan. But we did get Voodoo Su- uh, Murder Suama, but still we got a Suama that battered people. This is Suama we need back, the one who just batters people without a care. Like this is just great. People are talking Suama up after this match and he deserves to be talked up because he was just so great. And I just, I'm just so happy for Suama. Like I just can't contain my excitement. Like, He's annoying right now. Like sometimes I just want to like, you know, <laughs> strangle him, but he deserves this moment so much. Yeah, he really did. And um, yeah, this this match is amazing. We've talked about it in um, episode 31 of Kick Out where we cover the Dome Show. So definitely go ahead and take a listen to that. We talk a lot about the story of this match. Um, one thing I didn't really talk about in that episode was um, Keno's buildup to that match was very funny. If you want to go check out his YouTube videos, he did a um, series of gotcha pulls in the Ichikuji. Um, it's a lottery for merch for All Japan. And it's they're really fun to see because you can see all this like classic All Japan merch. He um, does, I think, like 40 something pulls. He spends like 37,000 yen. He spends a lot of money. Um, trying to get a Kento Miyahara acrylic stand and he can't get it. Um, so you end up seeing a lot of really funny pictures of him like with his merchandise on Twitter. So that was a really fun little storyline that was sort of going on during this. Um, and then I thought that, you know, you get those loud personalities with him and Suwama, which was advertised as like the showdown between tyrants. Um, so that was kind of interesting and, and really funny. And uh, they had some really good, little scary exchanges. Um, the tension at that match was really, really uh, high at the end there because of that slap. But yeah, it was. Um, it's just a phenomenal match. I don't know if that there's anything I can say about it that I haven't already said that wouldn't take like three hours. I, I love this match so much. But uh, Alicia, do you have anything to add? 
I was just really, you know, very emotional to see the three of them. Um, Suwama was really cool in the dome. I mentioned on the review that we did at the final uh, with Captain Wu and Justin Nipper, who actually called the match in the Tokyo Dome. Um, I mentioned that Suwama had only been in the dome once in 2007 in a tag with Voodoo Murders, actually. So it's kind of funny. He got to be in in the dome twice (laughs) with Voodoo Murders. But it's just really extraordinary. It was it was a huge moment for all Japan represented through the three of them with or without Kento having the belt. It was so cool to hear how many all Japan fans, how many Kento fans were actually there. You could hear them doing the Kento chant for him on the ramp. It's not super loud in the feed, but you can hear Kento reacting to them and you can hear a little bit of it at points. So it's really cool um, that they had that moment and they could do that to be sure. And just, they hit like every note that I was hoping to hear. I'm really excited that people got to see how great Suwama is when he's on and when he's not doing voodoo murder shit. That was great. He was really effective in this and I'm really excited to potentially see him and Soya keep working together. Hopefully that becomes a thing this year at some point in time. That would be great. Um, I thought Kento gave some of like the best, most poignant, like, backstage comments that he's done in a while through this too um which is great like kento is an uh, is an amazing speaker like he's a great talker he's great on the mic um he's always doing something that is really effective in terms of how he uses like the power of words right but um his backstage comments are worth taking a look at and then playing them so you can really get the full weight of the experience rachel translated them and it's on their twitter account um, so you can take a look at that there. And then the video is on Kento's page. It's on Noah's page, what have you. But um, yeah, I just thought it was an incredible experience. I wish that All Japan could run their own cards at the Dome so we could keep doing things like this. I wish we were back in the Budokan this year. And I don't even think we're really back in the Budokan this year. But like, it was just so cool to have that experience with them. I'm so happy with how everything's going um, with the Kensuke office diamond ring stuff i think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for someone um like kento in particular to really i think move around this year i think we're going to be seeing a lot of that um i think that's what i am sort of stewing on as my takeaway from the dome at this point is just that there's a lot of opportunity for all japan coming off of this and that's always really exciting one thing i just want to say that i loved i love um yuma shoving his face in the camera it doesn't matter if it's Corican Hall, a tiny little venue, or the Tokyo Dome. If there's a camera, he will shove his face into it. I thought the walkout was so funny because, like, Yuma was being, like, Yuma about it, like, his classic self. But, like, at one point, like, Kendo was just sort of, like, he was, was being kind of funny in the way he was walking behind Suwama out to, like, the ring. Um, I don't know. It was just, like, it was just very funny, like, to watch them all like that. And it was, like, very interesting to see, like, Suwama was being, like, he wasn't really in like the full voodoo murders character, um, but was very like cooperative, right? In a sense, right? And we haven't like seen them kind of like that in a minute because of like the way that the kayfabe works around voodoo murders right now in all Japan. But like, yeah, it was all just really funny. And I think Yuma should be like commended for like how he handled like the slap too with um with Keno, like his instincts around that because Keno was rocked. Um, and it was a total accident. Like he just got rocked and um Yuma helped Keno get through like the next two minutes like to get through that segment which then like completely helped the situation and that was like all down to like Yuma and his like incredible instincts so definitely an unsung hero in that way 
And just before we leave the Tokyo Dome show, the last little bit of information I just want to give is before he went to the back, Kento was yelling at Masa Kiyomiya, who was on the com um, commentary for the match. And he invited him to All Japan on the 27th, which is actually Kento's birthday. So that's his birthday wish to have Masa there. Invited is such a nice word. Yeah. <laughs> he demanded it. Um, yeah. He, in, in a suit. In a suit, just as uh, Kensuke Sasaki and Akira Hokuto would have demanded it as well. It was uh, it was intense. That was a very intense demand. Um, and Masa was not too happy stating that he is uh, not going to obey anyone. And we'll talk a little bit about how that evolves through Kento's character. Day three was on the 26th at Japan Toto Green Dome, Meibashi Sub Arena. Mazda, Ryzen Haito, and Ryu Inoue defeated Dan Tamura, Oji Shiba, and Hikari Sato in 14 minutes and 54 seconds. This was super long for an All Japan opener. Almost 15 minutes. I thought, like, this is going on a bit too long. But it was pretty good. Inoue and Sato had some good moments as Kickboy versus Kickman. I really want to see more of those two. I absolutely adored the moment when Haito went for a pin on Sato and his back was actually towards the camera. So while pinning Sato, he turned his head towards the camera and posed. I just absolutely loved that moment. I thought it was just perfect for him. Backstage, Haito said he wants the junior title match against Noriki Doi to be the main event for the show it's on and I'm all for it. Yeah, I thought this was pretty good. There was a really nice ending stretch between Hayato and Dan and I do really love um when they work off of each other i thought that dan's lariats that he was like clubbing hayato with looked pretty incredible honestly so yeah this is pretty effective for me yeah this was this was fun i really liked it and i liked that ending stretch a lot um i thought in a way it looked uh really cool here when he did his uh little motokoi where he sits uh in the ring and demands more and then sato turned it into a dastardly deed where uh, he got everybody to to beat him up so he's it's it's fun to watch and um this goes into the match in the next day too it, it's fun to watch in a way sort of putting things together to be the coolest guy in the room but he's still not there yet um so he gets owned when he does the really cool guy stuff but um it was it was fun it's really fun to um see these two work together um i always like watching Inoue and sato they have really really good chemistry Yoshitatsu, Fuma, Ryuji Sai defeated Kao Mori, Kotaro Suzuki, and Black Manso Ray in 10 minutes and 46 seconds. World Traveler Yoshitatsu was actually in my country two days ago, and now he's back wrestling in Japan. And if he could convince more All Japan stars to head to Australia, that would be greatly appreciated. And that's all my notes for this match, because it was, it was there. The undercard cinematic universe, that's really what it was. It was fine. I thought... Uh... Kotaro looked like he was having a good time um and yeah that's I didn't really have a whole lot of notes on this match either it was uh, very much what you would expect out of an undercard uh all Japan match it was, it was all right next up Suji Ishikawa and Ren Ayabe defeated Riki Honda and Shotaro Ishina in nine minutes and 59 seconds I love the team of Suji and his really large son it's just so funny I do have to point out the obvious but Ishina and Honda look tiny before the match got started, um, I don't know, like the camera was just, you know, a regular hard camera but angle, but it was just, it looked so small. But this match was just full of fun spots. Uh, Ashino doing push-ups and squats every time Suji knocked him down was really fun. And Ayabe on Suji's shoulders but covering his eyes so he couldn't see just made me laugh out loud. 
I thought this was a really fun match. I always like Shuji against the GOA guys. And I really liked Ayabe in this. I hope he continues to appear on cards and sticks around. We didn't really sign anyone at the start of the year, but Ayabe is still someone who I think would be worth doing that for. But yeah, this was like a, a very enjoyable quick match. It was very charming. That's what I had written down. It was just a very charming match. And um, Ayabe and Ishikawa are just really good together. They're um, like... Ayabe sort of going along with uh, Shuji's eccentricities, I guess I would call them. Um, the shoulder spot was just very funny and uh, that he proved to be a little too much for Ishikawa's back. It was, it was just fun. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed this match a lot. I thought that uh, I thought the GOA guys looked as good as ever. Yuma Oyaki, Asuki Oyaki, and Naoya Nomura defeated Koji Doi, Kuma Arashi, and Andy Wu in 14 minutes and 57 seconds. I thought this was another pretty good fun match. Yuma posing like Keno and Asuki like Masawato was really cool. Koji Doi and Kuma were just having so much fun, especially with Andy Wu's sword. They were kind of like waving that around and poking people with it. We haven't seen them for a while, and it's a shame they aren't in All Japan more or didn't really stick around like Ashino did. Because it would be really cool to have them like as a proper, legit tag team, you know, and they could actually win the belts for once. And I do think Yuma works really well with Kuma and Doi, you know, so it would be really good to see those two clash again. And Doi and Nomura's with the big elbow exchange was beautiful. Yeah, I really did like this one quite a lot. As far as participation goes, Naoya did a pretty good job with the um, <laughs> Congo mocking. I loved it. It was like the most <laughs> awkward way he could have done like Soya's pose. But you know what? He participated and I thought that was really good of him. So there you go. But this match, I thought Kuma was so great in this. He worked really, really well with Naoya and Yuma. And this was such a pro Atsuki crowd too, which was great. I loved hearing some folks in the crowd calling for him when he was like hitting Doi and Kuma with his forearms. It was like just peak drama and it was just kind of nice. Like the crowd actually added quite a bit to this show and also the final show of the month. And yeah, I just thought it was a good match. It's one of the best Doi and Kuma matches I can actually remember. Like there's just something about this one. It just worked super well. Yeah, I really liked it. I liked seeing uh, Kuma Doi back with former Wrestle One alumni, Andy Wu. So that was really cool. Um, then playing with the sword was really great. And yeah, um, I thought it was fun. I thought it was a really good match. Everyone seemed to have really uh, good chemistry. I really, I love those elbows between uh, Naoya and uh, Koji as well. I just thought they were just really cool. And yeah, the the most exciting thing to me was definitely the uh, the pose at the end with Nomiyagi mocking Keno and Soya. I thought uh, Nomura did his very best. Um, like Alicia said, he he got in there and he did it. Uh, but yeah, it was it was great. And then of course Atsuki joining in by mocking uh, Wado's pose for their match that uh, literally just happened uh, today on March first. So yeah, it was um, it was good. It was it was a fun little match. Next up, we have Kenta Mihara, who defeated Hokuto Mori in 12 minutes and 52 seconds. Uh, before the match, Kenta, of course, finds a child in the front row to play up with and get them to clap harder for him. If you are a kid in the front row, Kenta will find you and make you clap for him. This was really good for Omori. I think it was you, Alicia, who said that this was Omori's first singles match as a heavyweight on Twitter. And what an opponent to have as your first singles match. Kento did dominate a bit, but Omori had some really nice comebacks. And I've noticed whenever the rookie group of Dan, Omori, and Asuki go up against Kento, they go extra hard against him. And it's really, really cool to see. 
Kento's win was never in doubt, but this is a really good starting point for Amore in his heavyweight career, especially since he's in the champion carnival. So yeah, I really loved this match. I was really excited about it because I thought it had the ability to be one of the better matches of the month. And I think that's really fair to say. Kento was every bit the imposing, arrogant ace with Pokuto. And that makes sense given that, like Jesse was saying, it it is his first um, singles match coming into the heavyweight division. So it made sense for Kento to play that type of role with him. And I really loved the opening of this because Hokuto immediately got the best of Kento and landed some really powerful forearms where they went to the outside. And the crowd was very much with Kento, but when um, he did like this, like certain thing, I can't, re- I don't even understand what the name of it is, but like he did that thing where like he got his like feet on both sides of Hokuto's face and then like came down. It's like that type of move. Kenta and like Marfuji do variations of it and I never know what it's called but he did that to Hokuto and the crowd like reacted kind of funny to that like they didn't like that because like Kento was like really building into like being just kind of, kind of a huge jerk right um but that's what it was like Kento gave Hokuto the perfect amount of room to work within that with work within him acting like this just imposing ace senior and Hokuto really having to take it to Kento each and every time so I thought that was so effective and I just thought that like Kento was so good at like just letting people get over like Jesse was saying like when he uh has matches with these younger guys they tend to do really really well with them he works just so extremely well with them um I thought Hokuto managing to get Kento up for that set of suplexes toward the end looked so impressive that looked fucking awesome and yeah I just I really enjoyed this match I thought it ruled it was easily one of my favorites of the month yeah uh, same it was so good it was easily I think it was probably my well it's definitely was one of my favorites of the month Kento just really understands wrestling like he just gets it um and he really made himself that wall to um to to scale and Hokuto just looked like a star from bell to bell he just looked amazing uh throughout the whole thing even as Kento was dominating him and, and being a total jerkwad about it like I said he's he's gotten real mean uh lately and it's it's really cool to see like even more so than usual he's just becoming more and more of this you know veteran imposing ace and it's it's really cool to see and it just makes everyone on the roster um glow and shine even brighter like you know now Yuma looks even cooler for being able to get even close so it's it's just really cool i liked um i like that ddt onto the apron like miyahara's offense the whole time was just kind of really sick um but yeah it was it was really good um after the match you get uh kento sort of shouting at hokuto like win the champion carnival and then we'll talk kind of thing um and that sort of sets up this story for hokuto's first uh champion carnival and that's really exciting to see so you see him sort of building that future uh for the company and you guys sum that up beautifully is that he's always doing that and that's important too i think because if we remember from you know the jbog if you will he had no wins right mm-hmm. so for kento to challenge him in that way i mean hokuto is really going to have to prove himself in the champion carnival first carnival and with you know this move to heavyweight and everything else like there's a lot for a lot on the line for him um coming off of a streak like that in uh junior battle of glory so it'll be interesting to see where he pivots from here with a challenge like that from kento in the main event we had Yuji nagata yuma anzai and yutaka yoshi defeat swama jun saito and rei saito in 21 minutes and 28 seconds 
Or Japan was back in Anzai's hometown, so he's a big hometown hero at this show. He got his own T-shirt and supporter towels, and the crowd loved him. They were going nuts for every single thing he did, and they were booing the crap out of Suwama and the Saito. I love seeing Suwama play it up, covering his ears and telling the crowd off, but sometimes he only covered like one of his ears, so he can still hear everything. He boggles my mind, this man. There was a lot of crowd rolling, like tons of it at the start. Anzai got the crowd absolutely beat it out of him, but he came back for the win. It was a nice moment for him in his hometown. With Nagata, I wouldn't say it actually worries me, but I don't know if he's ever going to get another um, reaction for the crowd like he did in Corican. Like, they were cheering for him, but, like, Anzai was the big hero here. And I think Anzai gets a lot more cheers than Nagata, even when he's not in his hometown. I was wondering if the point moving forward with Nagata is that, you know, on these kind of house show mains where there's opportunity for them to be paired, maybe that's the point. Maybe that, you know, Nagata isn't going to be the guy that gets everyone going and gets everyone cheering for him. So perhaps that's where Anzai can step in and get that experience, get everybody cheering for him, get everyone behind the the rookie future ace, right? Like, I don't know if that's the point yet, but it felt to me like it was very effective in this match at, at the very least. I thought the crowd was super effective here in general because them booing voodoo murders and interacting with Suwama, who was like really playing this up, like you were saying, like the entire time, that was actually awesome and only made like Anzai duking it out with the Saito brothers look like just so fun. It made Anzai look like a bigger little hero in the end, like, all that's really effective. And I feel like it was Lou. <laughs> I feel like it was Lou who literally said that like what Voodoo Runners is missing in general from their matches um, that before, like when there really was no crowd noise, um, that was what was hurting some of that heel stuff is that you weren't getting like the crowd reacting to it. It was just like them throwing each other over chairs to silence. So this is very effective to me because of the crowd interacting and like Suwama was great with it like the twins were having such fun like interacting with the fans like I thought that was like uh, such a nice part of this main event I really enjoyed that aspect of it and like I was saying I, I think if one of the benefits of uh, Nagata Rain is like Anzai looking like a star on these house show mains where they get paired up that's probably the better thing to take away from it but Anzai did a wonderful job and I also felt like this was a really, really solid match for everyone in Voodoo Murders, too, because it was just, like, there was a lot of nonsense, but this was, like, effective nonsense. It's really weird that Taru seems to, like, actually have whipped them into shape, and Voodoo Murders have improved since last month. It's a little jarring, actually. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I like this match. I loved um, everyone's reaction. I actually think Alicia said it perfectly. The crowd brawling was really fun and really really worked for me because the crowd was just going wild um and it was it was cool it was all really really good and it was a fun little main event day four was on the 27th at shinkiba Rhea Inoue versus oji shiba went to a 10 minute draw i thought this was great i love this match oji and Inoue showed a lot of fire and their kick exchange was really cool i saw someone say that all japan's undercard is meaningless but when you have matches like this that just seems really silly to say og and inue had a post-match promo where they have decided they were teamed together for the junior tag league i think they said their team name is kyushu boys i really really like this team and they're excited to see what they can bring to the tournament i think people who talk about the undercards of these shows being like quote-unquote meaningless are like a 
made by people who don't often like watch them anyway and also be people who don't value storytelling in professional wrestling those are my pet theories but in terms of what this match actually was i loved this that this was an excellent excellent match just killer like a hell of an opener and we had like of like an array of good openers on this tour but like this was a hell of an opener uh the anyway chants were awesome and that massive kick anyway is working on as like his like finisher is going to look so nasty when he perfects it like he's getting there he'll get there eventually but yeah i loved like every minute of this and um yeah ojishi but like he's interesting i think he's someone who like if i were to pick two people it'd be like him and ren ayabe like we should probably have signed them um i'm glad that we're like you know we have a very strong roster right now but like we probably should have signed them kampa was saying on twitter that uh ojishi needs to get a new haircut because he looks like an accountant and uh kampa is right i did note that when i was uh watching this match yesterday yeah kampa is right (laughs) now that you've said it i'm never going to be able to unsee it uh, yeah, I thought this match was good. Um, I liked that the crowd was really split between both of them. They really seemed to like both of them. And then they at the end, they really pulled for in a way in a big way. So that was really fun to watch. Um, it was just fun to watch the crowd evolve, fun, fun to watch them evolve. And I thought they worked uh, pretty well together. Uh, we'll see how I feel about them being a uh, team for Tag League. Like I said, I always switch who I want to tag with who. Uh, but we could see how they progress and I think that they could become crowd favorites for sure. So it should be really good. And like I said, it's just really good to watch in a way, put that character together. He's, he's getting there. It's just a delight to watch. Joshua Shino and Ruki Honda defeated Black Mercer Ray and Yoshi Tatsu in 10 minutes and 26 seconds. I really like the moments between Ashino and Black Mercer Ray. I thought they were really funny. Ashino was like fixated on his mask for some reason he was trying to like group the snake that's like sitting on the top off he had the chair and instead of putting it, uh, the legs of the chair across the throat like a normal person would he put it across the mask like Mansoe Ray was selling it like it was across his throat Ashino now has a giant swing which looks really cool and I want to see him use it more I have a lot of questions about the anatomy of Black Mansoe right now like, why was he selling it like that? <laughs> what is the, is it like a limb? Is it attached to him? Like it, I, I'm now like kind of fixated on that mask as well. Um, that after Shotaro was, was like choking it with the chair um, and he was selling it like that. Um, so other than sort of the body horror of it all, I did think this match was pretty fun. Um, I thought the swing was super great and I'd love to see that more. Um, I should have just looked really, really like, confident like he was having a good time and I just really want to see that triple uh crown run but also I just want to see that challenge very badly and I hope we're getting there after the match you hear the side door to the venue swing open and in comes Inamora from Noah he calls out Kento who comes out and asks who the hell are you there is actually a picture of Kento backstage googling Inamora which is really funny but anyway Inamora calls him out and says that he is a new era of Noah Kento proposes a singles match, but only if Masakimiya seconds him. Inamura accepts, and this match is scheduled for the 14th of March. I really like that Inamura came, and I'm so excited for this. I selfishly want Inamura more in All Japan. I think he can really, like, shine. I think All Japan is a really good company for him to shine. Yeah, I think All Japan is a really effective stage for Inamura. And Inamura got like a surprising amount of like cheers on the show, which I noted. And also it's like, can we just get behind the ace once, guys? <laughs> just once. 
I do want to note that the caveat is that like Masa doesn't have to show up as a second for the match to take place. It's just that Kento is now using that as like the excuse, like, oh, you didn't show up. Now you can be um, Inamura's second in the way that you used to be my second. And that's what he's, you know, still trying to use to get at Masa. And so, yeah, it's all very interesting. Obviously, like, you know, it would have been cool if like Masa came to Shinkiba and was super fucking mean to Kento on his birthday, considering that like in the press the day before, Kento called Masa stupid and said that Masa had been his errand boy, which is like super mean and super heavy amongst all the other super mean and super heavy things that like Kento had been saying lately. Uh, but yeah, so like that stuff was super intense, but it just is like a perfect storytelling for Masa to like refuse and be like, you know, that's over. Like I'm not your errand boy anymore. So I'm not being summoned to Shinkiba and I have nothing to apologize to you for. So yeah, that's great. I think Inamura is great as like someone to be like the guy to show up when you call out someone like Masa in like the Noah roster. I think that's awesome. So I can't wait for the match. I'm super excited. And um, what I love is too, is how it shows that kind of piece of Kento as an ace character. Cause we're talking a lot about ace characters recently. And, you know, Okada is someone who is more likely to ignore you when you're beneath him. And I think a lot about when Kaito first asked for the match against uh, Okada years ago and Okada ignored him because Kaito was beneath him. Kento is not like that though. They're very similar characters in some ways, Kento and Okada, but they differ in a few important ways. And one of those ways is that while Okada is more likely to ignore you when you are beneath him, Kento will still challenge you to the fight and he will beat you. Um, That's the very distinct difference between the two of them and how they approach these these instances, which I find really fascinating. So yeah, just a cool bit of character work. Um, it looked awesome in the ring. Yeah, just good stuff. Yeah, Kento's stance was so good. Like it, it's exactly to your point. Like he looked like a cool anime villain. He looked like an ace. He looked like a jerk. He It was just incredible. And uh, he was being a huge jerk and that's why the crowd didn't cheer for him. Uh- <laughs> I'm He's sorry. Still the ace. <laughs> He's the ace. He's the ace. And they are in all Japan. So yeah, you want to cheer for your ace. But I thought Inamura, I thought he looked really natural. I thought he sounded really confident. Um, what I find interesting is that for Inamura, this is about proving that he's a worthy piece of Noah. And he specifically complained that Kento was really hung up on Masa. He's like, oh, Kitamiya this and Kitamiya that. And so it's almost like Inamura's wants to prove that he is on the same level or better than Masakita Mia. So he also has his own sort of, um, not really bone to pick, but he wants to, um, he, he's competing with Masa in some ways for um, Kento's attention. And I found that really interesting because Kento's also hung up on Kita Mia, but it's much more personal and painful and he's no longer demanding an apology. Now he's just wanting Masa to be a second and putting him down even further and further and further. So it's just fascinating. But it's also not really about Masa in that way, right? Like Kento's doing this because he couldn't get Nakajima's attention at the Dome in the way that he wanted. So it all folds in on top of each other. And I have some thoughts on that one too, but I'm going to wait just a little bit throughout the card because it is very interesting. Jun Sato and Ray Sato defeated Kao Mora and Ren Ayabe in 8 minutes and 59 seconds. Oh, I liked this quite a bit. I thought the Saitos looked really solid in this, and I thought they worked super well against Kao Mori, which is 
not super surprising to me either. I think he just works really well with younger guys. And Takao is on a streak of hot crowds. He gets some real good chance going for him, which is awesome. Minoru Suzuki, Nuriki Doi, and Hokotomare defeated Kenta Mihara, Rising Haito, and Kotaro Suzuki in 12 minutes and 16 seconds. I thought this was a pretty good six-man match. I would like to see Kento and Doi in a singles match. That could be really, really cool to see. The younger guys, Omori and Haito, looked great in this. The fans were going absolutely nuts for the ending. And as soon as Suzuki hit the power driver, you could kind of feel the energy in the arena kind of deflate. Like, oh. Afterwards, Kento attacked Haito. This was, um, this was good. Kento was super unhinged for his birthday match, which, like, I don't think is a huge surprise i love when he works against uh minoru suzuki they have an interesting energy the two of them so this was really cool for that and i thought this was really effective too just for seeing um hokuto uh suzuki and doi work together like this was a really good match for the three of them they just gel really well i really like them as a, as a little heel group um the sequence with like hayato missing his backflip that results in um suzuki getting the pin was brilliantly executed in the way that like immediately like Omori was able to get in there with the um the diamond cutter and then Doi coming in as well like that just looked so fucking effective it was awesome and there was quite the stare down between Kento and uh Minoru Suzuki like Kento looked unhinged just nothing is going that man's way so that's awesome good stuff he should get more unhinged and then Kotaro did like the most Kotaro thing he could have done which was betray them because that's what Kotaro does so yeah like there's so many interesting little pieces here. I saw the pictures before I saw like what actually happened in the match because I watched it on delay. So I kept thinking like, why does, like, I know why he gets in Inamura's face and I know why he would get in Minoru Suzuki's face, but like, why does he get in Kotaro's face? Like that just seems like him spinning out. So to know that it's because Kotaro betrayed them and um, attacked Hayato is very, very interesting. But I, but I like this a lot. I feel like it's really cool to have Kotaro and Hayato potentially starting something. I think it's good to have Kotaro. Did we get a sense of necessarily where he's going to land up? Like, is he going to join Minoru Suzuki and all those guys? Or we have no idea yet. I didn't think we Not did. Sure, yeah. I think that would be a good, like, role for him. Um, I like when Kotaro works heel. So I think that would be a really, really good role for him. So that would be super cool. But I, I like that. I think it gives a little bit more intrigue. Gives Hay- Hayato, I think, someone really interesting to work off of in that way. Because Hayato is going to look like such a fucking baby face against a heel Kotaro Suzuki. I think that would be really, really effective. But yeah, this match was fascinating for just watching Kento work there's like i said before like there's going to be some shifting this year and kento as a character and what he's going to be doing and how he's going to be interacting with people and there's just going to be a lot going on i'm like really really excited to see what keeps unfolding through things like this yeah you okay you've sold me on kotaro's uh little little turn there because yeah i I really liked their tagging i liked uh, how they were sort of putting things together i liked the dynamic that was going on. So I was a little sad. Um, I actually gasped very loudly and uh, kept my mouth very shut because I wanted to uh, get Alicia's live reaction more or less when she did eventually watch the match. It was, it was worth it. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it was a really cool moment. Like Couture is just really good at these kinds of moments. It's just like you said, it's very classic. It was very cool. I do really hope this means we're getting Doi and Kotaro teaming up. Uh, we don't know yet, but I really want to see that as like Doi's mystery partner because um, that just makes sense and it would be a really good team. 
And then you can see um, Otsuki and Hayato sort of in the finals, maybe, of Tag League against them. So that's sort of my prediction. Uh, match itself, you guys said it. It was really, really fun. I had a really good time with it. Um, Hayato was super over. Um, and Kento was super unhinged and had great exchanges with Minoru Suzuki. But yeah, he's... He's a fascinating one to watch. And if you guys are just getting into all Japan and you're interested in Kento, there's really no better time. Like Kento's always a great person to get into all Japan through, but um, especially right now as his character's doing a lot of, a lot of shifting. Yuma Oyagi defeated Suwama by DQ in 12 minutes and seven seconds. So I got a little story. I had to leave this match halfway to go fix something in my house. I fell down a couple of stairs and I was pretty banged up and I still am sore. But the pain I felt from that is less than the pain I was in after reading that Sawama is challenging for the tag team titles with Kono. I hated that so much. I didn't really like this match. It was very much a voodoo murders match. I think it didn't really do much for Yuma. I think the person voodoo murders is actually helping is a Yuma, but it's Yuma Anzai. I just, hmm, I'm just sick of it. (laughs) They just make everybody look so stupid and they should know the voodoo murder stick by now and they should know how to counter it <laughs> i mean while i uh i agree with you entirely i surprisingly didn't mind this match at all i think i probably liked it more than like most of our our friends over on all japan twitter yeah i thought it was fine i also don't feel nearly as negative about like the potential for suwama and kono challenging only because i feel like that was sort of an inevitable like we escaped them at the top of the year but it makes sense that they're going to try to get them in front of them again. My only hope is that they will use Suwama effectively with Yuma in this role. I still think that there's room for them to do that. (sighs) I mean, the match in general, like Yuma trying to outrun Suwama, admittedly, fantastic strategy. Really good. thought it was funny. They are both really fucking dumb though for that chair shot. Like I know that the, the chair is a gimmick chair, but like that doesn't make any sense to me. Like nobody should be doing that anymore. So that was really annoying. But Wada, like, we haven't gotten, like, these Wada crazy sequences where he's, like, fighting with Suwama in, like, a hot minute, I feel like. But, like, that was, like, also kind of funny. <laughs> like, it's so distracting and it takes, like, 10 minutes to get, like, everything moving after that. But, like, or at least that's what it feels like. But whatever. It was kind of funny. I thought that, like, the, like Suwama, though, like, with the stuff that he can do with Yuma, I always think that stuff looks really good. <laughs> like, even though he's dominating, like, that, like, his lariats and, like, that big fucking German where, like, Yuma can do the full flip. Like, that looks really cool. Sorry, but like it does. It looks really effective. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that like Suama did like every heel thing he could do to give Yuma. Like Yuma still looks like a little baby face in it, right? Like it's still it's still sort of effective. It's just a little bit tiring because like we've seen this format now like 80 bajillion times over like the course of Food and Murders reforming. So it's stale, but I didn't hate it at all. I just think that it was nice when like Suwama is like actually wrestling and he's being brutal because when that's happening, it looks really cool. It's just like when he gets into the DQ stuff where it's like, oh my God. Yeah, that's, uh, that summed up the match really well, actually. Um, it was okay. I wasn't super into it. I guess I was probably more on the, uh, the other side of things where it's just, it was a voodoo murders match to me. Um, what was interesting was the end with Suwama and, um, challenging for him in Kono and Keno did not take to that very well. So he put out that he's uh, he's done with it. They can have it. They can have the challenge. And he specifically says, Congo is pulling out of all Japan. 
who is in Congo, but Katsuko Nakajima. So it's interesting that he's sort of speaking for them and pulling them out. I don't think that's, you know, going to stick. I think we're going to get more stuff. Um, but it, it was interesting that he was speaking for the group there. Um, and it will be interesting to see how Nakajima plays into that and uh, see how Kento plays into that, because I do think it is all going to be connected uh, sooner rather than later. And in the last match for this tour, Suzuki Ishikawa, Asuki Oyagi, and Yuma Anzai defeated Yuji Nagata, Hikari Sato, and Dan Tamara in 18 minutes and 46 seconds. I thought this was pretty fine. It was okay. I think kind of the show peaked for me with Inamura and just like slowly <laughs> ro- rolled downhill. You know, they did good. Asuki and Yuma were loved by the crowd, absolutely loved. And backstage, Dan is frustrated that he and Hikari Sato keep losing and he has asked for a singles match between the two. That is the most evolution way to handle anything. Jesus Christ. But Just yeah. fight each other. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. something's not going well for long enough and they have to fight each other. God, I thought that the crowd was actually very good to Shuji too, which is like a nice little show of loyalty for the next challenger for the tri- for the triple crown. So <laughs> there's that at least. Anzai and Sato, I thought they had some really good exchanges in this. Yeah, it was a fine main. It was a fine main, solid main. But I agree with Jesse. I think it was like once the like tag with like Kento and Kotaro and all that stuff was kind of done. Um, it was just like a card <laughs> after that. Unfortunately, it wasn't like the most exciting way to end February after so much excitement in February. But yeah, we got there, right? We got to the finish line. That's all I can really say about all that. Yeah, you said it. I uh, really felt what you were talking about earlier in this episode that it was one of those like, why is Kento's match so low on the card um, compared to this match? And that that's exactly how I felt. Like It was, it was a fine match. It was fun. There was uh, some some good moments the um Aoyagi brothers shined and that's always always great to see yeah it was uh it was a match had a beginning middle and end now to february moments evolution girls debut has been announced on the 31st of march all three will debut in singles matches at shinkiba first ring we have zones versus rena yamashita sunny versus miki takase and chichi versus you I'm very, very excited for this. They haven't announced if it will be shown on AJPW TV, but I fingers crossed it will be shown there. All Japan released a YouTube video of Suwama meeting Mayumi Ozaki and Maya Yukihi. Please, please, please watch it. It's the funniest thing seeing Suwama wait around Santa Flowers. He begins the video by like coming out of a public toilet. It's just the weirdest thing. You will not regret it. He recruits their help once again to battle Unagi and two mystery partners. At the time of recording, we know one of the partners is Yoshitatsu. And yeah, we're going to keep doing some Jake Lee check-ins as he continues through his journey in Noah here. But Jake had a really good February. Jake competed in the Dome as well on Keiji Muto's retirement card. It was GLG, good-looking guys, Anthony Green, Jack Morris, and himself versus Takashi Sugira, Timothy Thatcher, and uh, Kojima in the tag match and I thought it was a you know a pretty good match it just wasn't the Sugira Jake interaction that I was looking for coming off of some of their interactions uh right before the dome card where like there was a real dust up between those guys and they got to kind of have like a really cool brawl so not the Sugira Jake interaction that I was looking for but 
Jake and Thatcher were fantastic. So if you haven't gone and watched the Dome card yet, but you're interested to see what Jake did, I do recommend it because Jake worked really well with Thatcher. And I hope we get to see more of that pushing forward. The thing that was interesting is that that match was earlier on in the card. And then obviously Kaito Kamiya fought Nushka Okada and lost that. But then during Kaito's backstage, immediately after, Jake um, approached him and had like a very smarmy, smug sort of interaction with him and challenged for the GHC. And Jake will be uh, fighting Kaito uh, soon in in March. I think, um, does anyone have the date on that on hand by chance? March 19th. March 19th is when Jake will be challenging Kaito Kiyomiya for the GHD Heavyweight Championship for the first time, which I think is tremendously exciting. And he has a ton of momentum behind him going into this um, title fight, which is just awesome. Coming up in March is the start of Dream Power Series. All Japan are holding shows on the 14th, 18th, 21st, and 26th. On the 14th, we have Suama, Mimi Uzaki, and Maya Yukihi facing Yoshi Tatsu and Unagi Sayaka and X. Rising Haito faces Nuruki Doe for the junior title, and Kento goes one-on-one with Inamura from Noah. Of course, we have the AJPW show with Glade on the 18th. And on the 21st, All Japan heads back to Oda Ward with Nagata and Suji main eventing for the Triple Crown. Now on to match recommendations. In honor of Keiji Mudo retiring, we picked matches featuring him. My pick was the Triple Crown match between Muto and Hinichiro Tenryu on June 6, 2001. Unfortunately, the link doesn't have the full match, but nearly all of it is there. It starts off super hot with a shining wizard, like right out of the gates. Keiji Muto goes for a moonsault, but of course, he couldn't hit it then. It's just action-packed from start to finish. It's so, so great. I've never seen a Tenryu match before. This is actually my first match I've seen of him, and he is just amazing. He just fucking rocks. I love this match. Yeah. Henry does rock. He's, he is awesome. <laughs> no, that's that's an awesome match. And uh, my match rec was actually um, just a few months after that. And that was also for the Triple Crown um, on October 27th, 2001. And uh, that was on their 29th anniversary show. And that was Keiji Mudo versus Masahiro Chono. And that was uh, at the time when I wrote down my recommendation, it was their last singles match that they had ever had. Um, however, they have had one more since I picked this match. Um, and yeah, it was um, their only singles match in an all Japan ring after having an incredible rivalry in New Japan. But this one was very interesting because uh, Muto had left the company and uh, Chono was sort of this invader heel. And um, yeah, it was it's pro- it's definitely not their best singles match, but I liked it because they were, um, sort of exploring each other as they are at this point in their career there is um just really interesting selling and really interesting work from um there's a really interesting dragon screw in this match from uh, mudo onto chono and um, you have a lot of like neck spots for chono because of uh the injuries he's gone through so it's interesting to sort of see this as like the climax of their rivalry at the time and um yeah it was it was sort of the ending of them until other than a couple tag matches until what we've gotten at the dome show. So I definitely highly recommend it now, um, especially if you watch the dome show and you're curious about these two, I think this is just a really good match for that. 
If you are interested in watching All Japan, you can do so at ajpw.tv for 900 yen a month. This streaming service has a mix of live and video on demand shows, and video on demand shows are uploaded the day after they were filmed and in some cases the day of. Thank you for listening and supporting Talking Triple Crown. You can find me on Twitter at Sister Jessie and Royal Road 72. You can find me, Alicia, at Sharanui Kai with two eyes. You can find me and Rachel at Pickout299 on Twitter as well. And please do us a favor and give us a five-star rating on your preferred podcast platform. It helps people find us. It helps us in a myriad of ways. And we would really appreciate your support. And you can also find me, Rachel, at Milky Star on Twitter. That's M-I-I-K-Y star. Thank you once again. And we'll see you for all the action that went down in March. <laughs>